Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox. I'm the Compliance Evangelist, and I would like to welcome you to a special five-part podcast series sponsored by Affiliated Monitors on strategies for corporations and corporate compliance programs under the new DOJ guidance issued in 2018. First, a word about Affiliated Monitors. Founded in 2004 and celebrating its 15th anniversary this year, Indeed, this month, Affiliated Monitors provides professional, independent integrity monitoring and ethics and compliance assessments nationally and internationally and across almost all industries. With its knowledge of effective ethics and compliance programs and cultures, Affiliated Monitors is respected for its work as the corporate monitor on matters ranging from multinational corporations to small and mid-sized companies and even individuals. Having served in over 700 monitorships, no one has more experience as an independent monitor than the team at Affiliated Monitors. For more information on how an independent monitor can help improve your company's compliance and ethics program, please visit our sponsor, Affiliated Monitors, at their website, www.affiliatedmonitors.com. Over the course of this five-part podcast series, we'll discuss some of the new DOJ guidance that came out in 2018, what companies can do with it both internally and externally, how a strong compliance program can be used as both a sword and a shield, and what are the benefits of using a third party to fulfill your compliance mandate. In this episode two, Vin Siani takes a look at what companies can do internally with this information. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox, back for another episode in our five-part exploration of strategies for corporations under the new DOJ guidance. Today, I have with me Vin DeCiani. Vin is the founder and CEO of Affiliated Monitors. Uh, Vin, first of all, welcome, and thank you for taking the time to visit with me today. Good to speak with you again, Tom. So, Vin, I'm really excited to speak with you over the next couple of podcasts because this is going to go into what not only interests me as the nuts and bolts guy, but I think is the most significant for the compliance practitioner and compliance programs. And the Binkowski memo really lays out um, what companies can do uh, to proactively, during an FCPA enforcement action and investigation, uh, move forward to come out with the best possible result at the end. So in this podcast, I wanted to look at what can companies do internally. So if I could start with how do you see the remediation of continuing problems as a key issue for companies? Uh, so I'm going to take a step back before that, because I think one of the things that the memo um, addresses is that, um, and, and, and it has been part of the evolution, right, of compliance and how DOJ looks at compliance programs, and that is how strong is the program and is it real, Right. Um, you know, there are no longer the days when a company could just wheel in its, you know, hefty compliance program and, and throw it on the, uh, on the table and say, here it is, we've got a compliance program, we're doing great things. Now, um, there's much more attention and seriousness um, on um, how strong the program is and if it's real or not. You know, and I think the memo really does address uh, you know, what a company needs to do to demonstrate to DOJ um, that it does have a strong program. You know, so the things that happened when, when Wei Chen was there in terms of ha- assisting the, the, the DOJ in 
understanding what a strong program is and, 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 you know, that it was real. I think that's one of the strongest elements that I take away from the memo, what a company needs to do to demonstrate that it's got a good program. And then to start talking about, you know, remediation and strengthening of the program, um, the memo addresses that, right? So let's start off with the premise that the company has a program, you know, um, perhaps the company needs to assess whether or not that program is strong and effective and has any weaknesses. Let's go beyond that. Let's say that there is a problem that has been discovered somehow through either, you know, um, one of the detection devices, a hotline or somebody self-reporting, you know, learning about a whistleblower or an external complaint or something from internal audit, what does the company do about it? Does it have the uh, the wherewithal to conduct an investigation, first of all, and, uh, you know, determine whether or not it is something that has to be reported? But on the remediation side, has the company gone deep enough to find out what was the root cause of that problem? You know, how did we get here and what do we do to address it? You know, so I, I think that, that the memo sort of talks about that and says, what are you doing to the problem that you're here for? You know, when you're before DOJ, you got here and, that, and what have you done? So I think that that's one of the key elements here is how serious the company is taking its compliance program and then what it's doing when there is a problem that has been discovered. And one of the things that the Department of Justice raised some time ago, as far back as the FCPA guidance, but uh, I think now it's getting a little more uh, front front and center uh, concern is the strength of the investigation process. Could you uh, explain what uh, what that means to you and how a company can demonstrate that? Sure. Um, so, uh, you know, going back to what I was just saying, let's say there's, there is a problem, something has surfaced, and however it got in front of the company, the compliance officer, uh, something has surfaced. What does the company do about it? Does it, um, you know, just cauterize it and say, you know, one bad apple kind of thing, which we all have seen before, you know, or does it do a deep dive into uh, learning whether or not um, it's real and, you know, the merits of it and gathering information around that. Sometimes some companies have very strong internal investigation um, uh, investigators and just a process. Um, so in other instances, and again, you know this, they will delegate the investigation piece to someone who has no skills as an investigator um, might be somebody in HR, might be somebody who's a transactional attorney, or all of a sudden is thrown into an investigation on something, and they just don't have the the experience and the depth of knowledge and that kind of stuff. Um, and so you end up with an investigation that is not that effective, um, which can lead to even further problems, right? So I think strengthening a company and maybe uh, the company recognizing that it doesn't have a strong um, investigative process is, you know, sort of like recognizing that they may need to do that. But, you know, too many times a problem occurs and if the company doesn't do a good job at the investigation, you know, part of that, um, then you're just going to go down the wrong road. Uh, and I, we've seen it, you know, with companies self-reporting when the investigation is thin um, and um, it, it gets thrown back at them, that they just miss too many things and um, it doesn't help. 
Ben, how does a company show or demonstrate the robustness of its disciplinary process? Is it simply just firing a few bad actors or is it something more? Yeah, it, this is something we have talked about, you know, in, in, in previous podcasts, and that is enforcement of, you know, a, uh, of discipline when there's a violation of an ethics um, matter or some, some type of, you know, internal control. And again, one of the weaknesses that we see in compliance programs is this whole issue of lack of enforceability um, and accountability. And, you know, companies do not sometimes want to discipline, you know, uh, the big breadwinner uh, in the company or, you know, the doctor who's a high level, you know, uh, earner or brings in a lot of work to the hospital or, you know, the salesman that is just, you know, kicking it through the roof um, because they they fear the, the loss of business. You know, you're seeing this now in the sexual harassment cases with some of these big players are now facing consequences where that was not the case before. So, you know, for us, when we're looking at a, uh, you know, the strength of a program, are they disciplining people? You know, and is that disciplinary process fair? You know, is it balanced? You know, is it is it done even-handedly? Does the discipline, you know, uh, sort of match the behavior? Um, those are those are key elements that we would look at, and then, you know, you can bet that that the Department of Justice is looking at it in terms of who got disciplined for the behavior that occurred, right? So I think that that's a, that is a very important element. And I'm not sure this next point is tricky or not, but it's always uh, certainly important, which is the actual reform of your ethics and compliance program. What's the best way for a company to go about that on the internal side? So one would think that um, compliance and the compliance function is doing some type of assessment of itself, right, to determine whether or not there are some weaknesses in the program or not. Sometimes internal audit will be looking at elements of the compliance program and the function. Um, and, you know, do, does the company look at itself? Um, and they can do it internally. And later on, you know, uh, in, in another segment, we'll talk about externally. But what is the company doing internally to make sure that the comf- company is emphasizing sort of the right, you know, um, things within the program, wh- whether or not the company is, again, it has appropriate training for staff. And they're not training something, uh, you know, some staff on antitrust when it has nothing to do with them. Does the company have, you know, good um, uh, sort of systems and controls in place related to third parties? You know, they may have some words on a page, but they don't have necessarily good controls in place. You know, and so is the company, you know, looking at those kinds of things and making necessary improvements. One of the things we're seeing now as, and you know this, as compliance matures and as companies have had compliance programs now 5, 10, 15 years, they can get stale. The the laws can change. The regulations can change. But they keep sort of them static, right? And they're not necessarily looking at them to 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 make uh, you know improvements. That's something that they. That's where this I think is a key element, is is the company assessing itself, you know, in terms of the strength of the program and the function. And then, Ben, what's the role of internal controls testing in this process? So the way I we look at sort of controls testing, it really goes to. Um, things like, 
um, does the company have a good sort of third-party flow-down process? Let's just focus on that for a minute. You know, so does, what are the controls around that? You know, for the FCPA um, uh, matters and, and when you have a, you know, sort of an anti-corruption program, what kind of controls do you have around cash? You know, do you have some kind of mechanism for determining where cash is being spent? Do you have some control over bank accounts, particularly when you're working in a variety of countries? You know, do you have some kind of control over who's making decisions about where dollars can be spent? You know, all of those kinds of things require internal controls. And so internal controls, number one, establishing them, and number two, testing them to make sure that they're appropriate. And that's where internal audit can come in um, and, you know, test those controls to see that, number one, the controls are good and they're comprehensive. And then, number two, that they're effective. Well, Ben, unfortunately, we're near the end of our time, but I've been visiting with Ben DeCiani, the founder and president of Affiliated Monitors. Today, we've taken up the uh, topic of what companies can do internally, and I hope you'll join us tomorrow for our episode of what companies can do externally. Ben, as always, thank you. Thanks, Tom. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox again. I hope you've enjoyed this episode and our exploration of strategies for corporations under the new DOJ guidance, which was issued in 2018. And I hope you'll join us again tomorrow for another episode. Please check out Affiliated Monitors at their website, www.affiliatedmonitors.com. Affiliated Monitors is the sponsor of this podcast. The podcast has been a special presentation of the Compliance Podcast Network. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.